So how did the Great Reset, which began March 2020, uh, result in the biggest transfer of wealth in the shortest period of time ever? And what does it mean for your personal finances and retirements? The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America... Here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. It is times such as these that God gives us an incredible gift to simply glance at the headlines and see everything we need to see. This is the Secretary Jerome Powell, guy who runs our money supply. At what point, how much is is too much? At what point in your judgment are we going to hit the point where you have to say, no, that's it. We can't do anymore. It's hurting the world. It's hurting our country. So we, we don't know when that is. Um, and as the world's reserve currency, demand for our paper is is very strong. Uh, if, if you if you had shown that and then asked somebody 15 years ago to predict what interest rates would be, they wouldn't be predicting that the that the 10 year would be at 175. No. Right. So it, there just there's been a lot of demand. But they would have predicted that the debt was going to go up. They, they, with, they would have looked at that picture and said, well, you must be experiencing difficulty borrowing. But we're not at all. So. Now, we're on an unsustainable path. Debt is not at an unsustainable level, but the path is unsustainable, meaning it's growing faster than the economy, meaning fully faster than the economy. We have to address that over time. We will address it over time. Yeah, over time. We'll address that with all sorts of um, honest techniques. Jack Lew, former head of the secretary, our secretary of Vice Treasury, Jack Lew, once pretended that the United States doesn't borrow money. He did that for about six months when he was working for um, um, Barack Hussein Obama. Mm-mm-mm. Thank you, Rush. He did that for about six months where he used what he called extraordinary accounting techniques. <laughs> ha! Extraordinary counting, accounting techniques to pretend that the United States wasn't borrowing money. Think about that. Just try it. Try it in the real world, guys. Go to, your, go to the IRS and the IRS comes and says, so we see here that you actually made $400,000 last year, but you said you made none. So can you explain that to us? Oh, I just used some extraordinary uh, accounting techniques. Do you have proof of those techniques? Oh, I wiped them from my server. Um, my team erased them. And what do you mean they erased them? Well, like with a cloth. You're going to have to come testify about this. Well, I, uh, I choose not to. I, I can't make it. I'm very busy. See, it's us still playing by the rules because we're good Christian people. And we're not going to become, we're not going to let the party turn us into liars. We're not going to let the party make us violate our faith. We're not going to do that. I want to get this explained by someone who knows this far better than I do. My good friend, Chief Investment Officer of Bulwark Capital Management, Zach Abraham, joins us. Zach, welcome back to the Todd Herman Show. Hey, great to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know we uh, just did this thing playing Secretary Powell so much in that statement. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the, the great wealth transfer uh, that's gone on under the cover of COVID, as I see it, just shortest timeline, greatest transfer. Um, but, you know, it's funny. It, uh, when I call our dollars paper, people say, oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's not paper. It's backed by the, uh, the good faith of the uh, United States government. Don't call it paper. The, Powell just called, <laughs> he just called it paper. They know, don't they? Oh, yeah, of course they do. And, 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 and look, I mean, this was really the goal. I mean, if you go back to 1971, when we got off the gold standard, the reason for it was we were accruing too many debts from our excursions in Korea and Vietnam. Debt was mounting. Uh, the currency was under pressure and they got off the gold standard because of the flexibility. They, they wanted it to be just paper, right? Cause if it's just paper, you use the word conjure and I think it's pretty apt. Um, if it's just paper, we can conjure it out of thin air at no cost or no, you know, and, and, um, what, what really is amazing Todd is that 
um, the facts are right there for people to see. And unfortunately, I don't think very many people do a good, good job tying them together so people can see what happens. If you want to understand the impact of the Federal Reserve, you look at record wealth inequality in this country. And um, it, when, you, when you look at the wealth inequality and then you look at the actions of the Federal Reserve, it is very hard to come to any conclusion other than that the Federal Reserve is the biggest driver of wealth inequality. And, and I, it's, it's illustrated in the simple fact that if you look at 2009 to 2019, or you can even run it to 2020, okay, that was the weakest decade of economic growth in history, including the Great Depression. And people look at you and go, what are you talking about? The Great Depression, the GDP grew at about an average rate of 1.35% during the Great Depression, right? But the Great Depression had deflation. Okay, so when you, you look at 1.35% economic growth in the Great Depression and you're deflating, okay, which means that the value of the dollar is going up, okay, so you, your real annualized growth, because growth rates are calculated by growth minus inflation. That makes sense, right? Because inflation isn't real growth, mm -hmm. but it looks like growth in economics. So what you do is you look at the economic growth, you subtract the inflation, and that tells you how you're growing. When you do that with the Great Depression, you were growing at an average rate of 1.4 to 1.5%, you know, factoring in deflation. Okay, over, the, over from 2019 to 2020, the economy grew at an average rate of about 1.9%, <laughs> and you were averaging, averaging 1.9 to 2% inflation. Okay, so your average growth rate over that 10 years, real economic growth was lower than the Great Depression, yet the S&P is up 400%. Okay, why is wow. that? Right, why is that? Well, go look at the Federal, Federal Reserve balance sheet went from $800 billion prior to the financial crisis to today you're at $6.5 You have artificially low interest rates. There you go. That, that's the only explanation. And the thing that is so pernicious, Todd, is that, Coming out of the Great Recession, this is what nobody thinks about, is that they drop interest rates to zero, start giving money away, right? Well, the average construction worker, the average laborer that lost their job during the Great Recession, they couldn't take advantage of those low interest rates, right? Their house was 30% negative equity. Their credit had been shot to crap because they lost their job and all that kind of stuff. They could, so who was able to step in and take advantage of artificially low interest rates and low price securities? Rich people, the people that already have the, 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 the assets, right? So when you step back and look at it and you see this record wealth inequality gap, the only other factor is the Federal Reserve. Unbelievable. And, and that's, and it's via their paper. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which, which we're told to, to revere and respect and, and et cetera. Uh, but Zach, then there's also this, that the Powell also admits I mean, and, and, and it's funny, I believe that people, I know from experience that, that financially savvy people say one thing to themselves and another to someone else. Like I've told the story that when I was um, a young CEO, I was walking through the parking garage with a guy, a friend of mine, who's actually a good guy in venture capital. Most, and actually, you know, a lot of venture capitals are good guys, or at least were. Yeah. And we're walking through the parking garage and I just said, Hey, um, like I'm getting a lot of pressure to sell during the bubble. Do you think we should sell? And he goes, Hey, Hey. And he actually walked, sped up, put his body in front of me, put his hand on my chest. He goes, Hey pal, we don't say bubble. Like there's no bubble, Todd. I said, but, 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 but then he goes, no, no, there's no bubble. We don't say that. And I said, if you I, will I, it, it is no dream. Right. And, and I realized, oh, he's, a, he's afraid I'm going to go out. Like when we go talk to analysts, talk about the bubble, even I, the bunny in the woods got that you don't do that. But when it, the, the truth sort of dribbled, uh, dribbled out of, of Jerome Powell's mouth there, he said, oh yeah, we're on an unsustainable path and, and debt is uh, our total debt growth is exceeding our entire economy. And then you see, you can see him kind of blue screening as Senator Kennedy's looking at him like, and, um, yeah, no, yeah, we can need to get that in order and, 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 and we will, we will, we will over time. He caught himself accidentally speaking truth in front of the little people. Right. Yeah, and, and, big mistake. Okay, <laughs> so I look because you know you know that I'm radically a simpleton, um, and I just eat my uh, my carrots and my my rabbit food. Uh, I'm told to by the party, um, but seems to me 
if I were to go to a bank and uh, and request a loan, and they said, um, "Seems here that your entire that your debt is growing faster than your income by a factor of three, uh, we can't loan you money," I'd have no argument to make. In the real world, we just don't get to play by these rules. So what is the significance to people's retirement accounts, Zach, or potential significance when that dude accidentally spoke the truth to saying, yeah, we're, we're, we're basically bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so here's, here's the way I, we'll get into what we do, but let me lead into it by saying that first and foremost, I think people, it, it would be, it's very helpful. And we've seen this with our own clients. It's very helpful if people really understand the scenario first, okay. right? Before you need, need, to, need to know where to go, you need to understand how ridiculous this is because I think there's still a veneer, right? There's still a veneer of credibility yeah. and seriousness around financial markets. And I don't think most people really understand how this is working, right? So w- when you talk about Powell and the paper and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, I was talking to a client yesterday that like, oh, there's going to be a reckoning. And I went, yes, eventually there will be. But he's like, what are we going to do with all this debt? We can't finance it. And I go, yeah, we can. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, you, you got to sit back and realize that there is no constraint of the amount of paper these people can print. And I, I look to the Bank of Japan as kind of a guidepost. And we've talked about this before on the show, Todd. If you look at the Bank of Japan, the Bank of Japan has now purchased over the last 30 years, 96% of Jap- Japan's debt. Oh. Okay, the nation of Japan's debt. Okay, 96%. So if we have too much debt, here's the question. If we have too much debt, which we clearly do, 150% of debt to GDP, by far and away a record. Um, if we have too much debt, what happens if the Federal Reserve just prints all the money and buys it? <laughs> That's the game where we're, we're really living in a third grade financial world. I, I'm reminded of when I went to the store with my mother when I was young and uh, I wanted something and she goes, no, no, we can't afford that or something like that. And I go, mom, but you still have checks in your checkbook. Oh, I remember that. Right, you still got checks. Yeah. Yeah. You got checks, write a check, right? right? That's our economic policy, Todd. When things go bad, Federal Reserve, just write another check and buy stuff. All right. That's that, that is how simple this is. It really is. And they dress it up with fancy words and everything. And then you get down to it and you're like, how are you stabilizing the economy? And they're like, oh, by printing trillions of dollars and just buying things that we want to go up. That's, that's it. All right. Um, So, I get that that's the scenario. I do want to talk about what we do. And I do want to remind people, uh, and this just came to me, Zach, and I know that you uh, share faith in, in, in God. And, and uh, I call myself a Jesus needer. I know that you are um, a man who falls Christ. And, and I like that phrase, Jesus needer, by the way. That really means something to me. Yeah. All right. We were told True. throughout the Bible 365 <laughs> times, do not be afraid. And yep. that, that, that I believe that God is in fact blowing wind into this storm to say, Hey, you know, that paper, that's not real. And you know, these people, they're naked emperors and Hey guys, there's real things in the world. And you've talked about land. God invented land, right? I mean, he made everybody, yep. but land is real. Food is real. Um, energy is real. Those things are assets. They actually exist. Gold is in fact real. I mean, you could argue whether or not it's actually valuable, but it's, it's a real thing. It's a tangible asset. So I want to talk about yep. those things. Um, but I first want to get to this. In March of 2020, someone flipped the ghost switch on tyranny. And we went through yep. a destruction, a liquidation, um, in some cases in, in areas like New York, of 40% of small businesses, utterly liquidated, just gone. But that money went somewhere, right? So people couldn't go to their local hardware store, so they go to Lowe's. Um, you had the party members, you know, demand now, use taxpayer money to conjure, I like that word, um, injections, which now even the, the, like Pfizer CEO admits, oh, they don't do anything, but they might kill you. Um, that we have that, th- th- their stock is up 1600%, Moderna, Pfizer, they're way up, Ugh. Amazon shot up. Zach, am I wrong? Or in that period when they shut everything else down, did we see the most aggressive in, in time period? Cause you're talking about 10, 15 years. I'm saying in one year, I watched wealth transfer like I've never seen in my life or am I wrong? hundred percent. Right. hundred percent. Right. And the data backs it up. I mean, you, you look at the, the, the gap now between the rich and the poor has widened significantly since March, 2020. 
you also saw it, Todd, just you, 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 anytime you see a scenario, now this is the first time it's ever happened. We've never had a recession where consumer saving and corporate debt levels went up. Okay. So, but when you see a scenario where the stock market is moonshotting and small businesses are getting boarded up, that's exactly what you're witnessing. You're watching a wealth transfer. That's, that's, that's what it is. Um, and you know, as, as for how, what we do, um, a, you said to not be fearful. Uh, God is in control. I, I was listening to a song by, by somebody called hope Darst on the way in here called peace be still. And it talks about like, uh, uh, there's a line in there where, where I'm not going to fear the waves because the waves are only waves. It kind of reminds me of, uh, uh, when, uh, Peter was walking on water, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Keeping your eyes on God, not paying attention to the waves. Um, you know, we, you and I have talked about this. We're called to be bold. We're called not to be afraid. Um, at, and then, then I'm reminded of the verse from Ecclesiastes where Solomon wrote the thing that has been, the thing that has been, it is that which shall be and that which it is done or that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no, there's nothing new under the sun, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it is the same. And that's what we always forget in periods of times like this. Um, there is no cheat in the system, right? The, the, the piper, the bill always comes due. The piper gets paid eventually. This is where we have to be very disciplined as investors and buy the things that nobody wants, meaning buy the things they can't print, buy the things they can't conjure. And then, like I told you, you know, we got to balance that out with, um, I don't like it either. You and I spoke about it, but, um, until something legislatively happens in order to protect yourself as a consumer, we also believe that you need to own some of those monopolistic companies, um, to protect yourself as a consumer, right? It's almost like a defensive strategy, but like you talked about gold, oil, natural gas, um, all of those things, uh, are important. Uranium, minerals, things that they can't print, copper, all these kind of things, um, it's the things that are the least popular, but yeah. that's, there's nothing new under the sun. You cannot print prosperity. Yeah. You cannot indebt yourself to prosperity. It doesn't work. I had a conversation, Zach, with a guy, um, who is a writer and, and very successful as a whole series of books. And I'm, I'm trying to get him to come on and come out as a conservative, um, and to come out as a Christian. And I mean, he, he speaks of his faith. But he doesn't really talk about how fundamental it is or, or the fact that he's a Jesus needer or that he is, is a you know, believer in fundamental biblical realities because he works in Hollywood. Um, and he's you know, got film credits, et cetera. So um, he does something really interesting with his income. As you know, passive income is taxed at a lesser rate than what you work for. I love this so much. This blows people's yeah. minds when I talk about it. That um, you know, I, In radio, I had at one point a contract set up where um, I got taxed on a passive rate for ads that ran and, and worked on a very small, um, you know, kind of uh, minimum wage type for the work I did. So the, 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 in other words, the three hours in the studio, you get your minimum wage. And then just yep. because the show's archived and the ads run, I wanted all my income based on that because then I pay a lesser tax rate. So labor yep. is taxed higher than sitting there and collecting a check um, for, you know, carried interest or for, for um, rental income, all those things. Um, Makes he, perfect sense, right? Yeah, right. Why? Yes, right. Uh, we should tax that less. Um, he takes his passive income and he tithes it at 30%. Wow. So for anything active that he does, where like he'll go out and give speeches. So that means he's there. He gives a speech. He pays 10% on that off the top, but 30% off the top of passive because he talks about, you know what? I cannot, I cannot go stand before the Lord and say, and the Lord says, so, you know, when you were sitting on the couch and those books that you wrote 30 years ago are still sending you a hundred grand per year. How much money were you given the the church? How much of my money were you given back to me? Because you know that's mine, right? I mm-hmm. found that was really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I want to talk about that aspect of financial success with you one day. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. Let's talk about stewardship. Next week, can yeah. we do that? Yeah, I want to talk about. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, I, I'm going to take an early break, even though I've been told and lectured, and you got to stay on a radio clock here thing, because I want to ask you about Bitcoin. I want to ask you about digital currencies because you just said something you and I agree on. We agree on a lot of things, physical assets. Yeah. It occurred to me this great, I had this great, horrible thought the other day. I see a lot of people using Bible apps. Okay. That's great. Mm -hmm. Take your Bible wherever you go. Am I really supposed to believe 
that the powers that be aren't going to go through and, and kind of shadow edit the Bible? I don't know why they wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, we're throwing, right. We're throwing Huckleberry Finn out of libraries. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of offensive things in the Bible taught, you know, you gotta, there's too much judgment. There's too much judgment. You gotta edit that out. We need to make it a kinder, gentler gospel. Right. Well, and then Thomas Jefferson, God rest him if he's in heaven, uh, which he may not be, went through and took out all the miraculous stuff Jesus did. You know, like uh, Peter was, Peter was walking on the water, then he drowned. Uh, Jefferson. Just, yeah. <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk about Bitcoin uh, or digital currencies with Zach. I don't know if I should do this. I might embarrass Jack, Zach here. Ah, well, I'll just embarrass him. Watch this. Yeah, I am sh- okay, watch this. I'm chatting with my friend, Zach Abraham, who's the chief investment officer at Bulwark Capital, host of Know Your Risk Radio. And hey, this guy here is Zach. Someone asked him one day, dude, what is your uh, biggest concern with investments right now? And let me see if I get this right. Zach said, inflation with all this money printing, still 100% or 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise. When inflation rises, bonds get crushed. A, it's me, Todd Herman, talking with this dude, Zach Abraham. (laughs) And look, my friend's been saying for six years, look, if bonds, you're using them in this old 60-40 mix as a safe portion of your portfolio, you may be taking a serious risk with your retirement. So if you're concerned about inflation and you hear Zach talking to me and you hear how level-headed he is, do this. Get yourself educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. They're going to teach you about it. It's a free booklet, Common Sense Investing. And Zach's goal, his company's goal is to protect your portfolio against uh, loss while seeking to grow your business. So you can call my friend Zach, call his company, get a free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Um, I've been asking people to listen to your radio show and I've gotten a lot of comments of folks coming back and saying, wow, he's really good at that. And uh, did you, did you uh, early on have any, uh, any uh, like mentors in radio who, who kind of gave you hints on how to do the thing? I'm talking to one of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you, you and Dory both became good friends and, and um, you guys, have, you guys have taught me immensely, but what's funny about it is I never saw, um, I love it. And, and I, I love doing radio. I think it's a blast. I think it's one of the best mediums out there. Uh, podcast radio, same thing to me. Um, but I grew up listening to Rush uh, in, in the car, uh, you know, third, fourth grade. And I got hooked as a third or fourth grader. I'd get in the car and go, dad, turn on Rush. You know what I mean? Like I, I got hooked. Yeah. And um, I just thought he's a masterful storyteller and I just love the way he communicated. And I always wanted to do radio in some capacity. Um, and then God opened the door to do it. And I kind of took us by surprise and now we're on, uh, now we're in Phoenix and Portland and, um, the podcast is doing well and yeah, it's, it's a black, I just love it. I, I, it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're very good at it. And really, um, I think God has just gifted you with the, um, I think God's gifted you with, with an incredible bravery to tell the truth about your industry. Um, cause sometimes it doesn't go well for people. And I believe that God has a cloak of protection on you cause you tell the truth. So let's talk about digital currency. Uh, and this is going to freak a lot of people out. Um, or I, I'm, I encourage people to email me and tell me what they think. Um, just go to the Todd Herman show.com. You can send in an email and all right, Zach, we don't own it. Like I, I, right. I every time I'm forced to update my iPhone, they steal my music. They suck it back up into the cloud. Every time I have to go back down and download it. And I buy CDs. I buy physical things. I've talked about um, Amazon has disappeared books, right? There were, there were books yeah. that people bought and Amazon determined that they were offensive and then they disappeared them um, so that you couldn't have them on your Kindle. Um, the other day, Scribd, um, Scribd took down some articles I posted. I have friends where Google Docs has gone through and removed documents they wrote and let them know, well, this contained offensive, um, not offensive, but um, suspicious. So the notion that we are going to find safety in digital currency, I understand because people say, no, Herman, you don't get it. This is decentralized. This is created in the, in the, in the, in private industry and, and the government can't touch it. And it's unencrypted, it's encrypted and unhackable. A, if it can be coded, it can be hacked. B, we have countries now who are looking at legitimizing or not legitimizing, but making them legal tender. You don't own it. Yeah. 
right? They can yeah. disappear this tomorrow. They could come and zap yeah. their servers, block them. And I think they would love nothing more, Zach, than to have us on digital currency so that there is nothing we own. So if they want negative interest rates, they just take money. In fact, Zach, what am I saying? We had someone who was nominated by the figurehead Biden who talked about this. I want yeah. to be able to just zap your net worth. One day you're worth a million yeah. bucks. Next day it's 200,000. So am I wrong in being suspicious of digital currency because we don't own it? I, I, I don't think that you're wrong to be suspicious of it, but I think that that suspicion needs to get cast in both directions. Okay. Meaning that, that, that in normal times, uh, this whole, this whole cryptocurrency thing would be, um, a shell game, right? In normal times, historically looking, you know, because there is nothing backing it. One of the other things that we've thought about is in a world of fiat currency where nothing is backing a currency, what currency should be worth the most? Uh, probably the currency of the country that has the biggest military, right? So, because there's something backing it now, right? There's not an asset backing it. So there's enforcement backing. it. You got to look for some level, like lever to enforce. When I look at Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies, they don't have any militaries backing them. Right. So I think that those cryptocurrencies will work until they become an inconvenience to the system. And these people that say that there's nothing that power can do, the same people were saying the same thing back in 1933 about gold until they got confiscated. Okay. So I, I don't, I don't think, but, but here's the thing. I do think there's a role because I think that we need to not look at cryptocurrency as part of the craziness going on. Cryptocurrency is actually, in my opinion, free market capitalism working the way it's supposed to Todd, because you have completely degraded and, 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 you know, uh, added toxicity and, and, and completely ruined um, the modern currency system in terms of the value of the underlying currency. So the free market responds with, you know what, we're going to come up with a money that you can't do this to, right? You can't degrade this money. You can't print more of it. So in that sense, the people that are pushing cryptocurrencies, except for the, the right, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gangsters and shills in that space now, but the, the true believers of cryptocurrency are all, they're actually our friends. They, they actually see the problems that you and I are talking about and Bitcoin is an answer. Bitcoin, the world would be a better place if it ran on Bitcoin, right? Okay. So it, it really, it really would be, it would take the power out of the government's hands the central bank's hands. It's democratization of money. But that ironically is exactly why I don't think it's going to work. You just said, what are the powers that be that are doing, right? Well, what are they doing right now? They're, they're censoring, they're removing things, right? They're looking for deeper levels of control. Well, do, okay. If we're looking for deeper levels of control, you think they're going to let go of currency, meaning they're going to let crypto run wild and take over? Right. No way. Right. No way. And, and these people that say it can't be hacked or it can't be got. Okay. Okay. Everything can be hacked. Like you said, if it can be programmed, it can be hacked. And if you want to go up against the CIA or the NSA, when they decide it's time to get rid of crypto, be my guest until that time happens though, because of what's happening to fiat. And I think this is really important thing in investing for people to remember, Todd, it's not always that we think asset A is so good, but it's the comparison of asset A to asset B, right? right? So, it, it, and that's why I think that we should have some exposure. Our clients right now have about 2% of their portfolio with us exposed to cryptocurrency as almost like a hedge because it could go ballistic. But these people that are rolling, I'm talking to people, Todd, that are selling their stuff and putting all of it in Bitcoin or all of it in Tesla. Yeah. Guys, if you do that, you will go broke. So you will I, go broke. I had this and I'm not resentful of this. I just want you to know, I, I bear no resentment. Um, you know, uh, love is not boastful nor proud, or does it keep a list of grievances? It's patient and it's kind, but I am so furious at my wife. I may just, I never forgive her. I'm kidding. <laughs> I had this, uh, you know, Zach, I had a year that, that was, I made over a million dollars in a year. And it was a pretty good year for me. Now you're looking at me going, yeah. oh yeah, simpleton, you and your million bucks. Look no, you, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, no, no. And no, and, no, no. I, I, we're doing well. Not that well. Uh, but I, I mean, that was a <laughs> spike, right? And, and yeah. um, so paid off my house, did a bunch of things, primary house gone, uh, debt gone. I, I miss those days. And I said to my wife, you know what? I want to take 50 grand and buy this thing called Bitcoin. And Zach, it was like two weeks old. And I was just looking at, yeah. I was looking yep. at the fundamental frustration with the clearly trash pretend paper. Um, you know, it's actual paper, but pretend value. 
I, this is going to go huge. And my wife said, no, 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 $50,000. I said, what about 25? No, 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 no. It's just that, you know, and we, I try, I could have now seen, I could have said, you know, head of the household and, and I'm going to, and I didn't. And I did the math. Uh, if I had invested $50,000 in Bitcoin on like week three, um, I, I, if I, if I held on to it at the right time, I, it could have been 5 million or 50 yeah. million bucks. I mean, well, at today's prices, it'd probably be more like a hundred. What? hundred million. It'd probably be, it'd probably be like more like a hundred because wait, wait, when, when Bitcoin, yeah, because when Bitcoin first launched, yeah. hey, I remember exactly what you're talking about. I remember the story because it was in 2009 and I remember calling my uncle that ran a, uh, runs a, ran an investment firm down in Panama. Yeah. And, um, I just said, Hey, have you heard of this thing called Bitcoin? It was trading at like a buck. Yeah. It was trading at like a buck. I remember when they had the first transaction, a guy bought a pizza. I remember for it. 35 Bitcoin. I remember that. 35 Bitcoin, yeah. most expensive pizza in history. Yeah. Right. Um, I remember thinking the same thing. I was broke at the time cause I was just starting to manage money. Yeah. And uh, I remember sitting there going, this is something you buy one or $5,000 worth and just put it away in your right. dresser drawer, oh. you know? Um, and I think it's a really good, important lesson, Todd. Yeah. And, and I talk to our clients about this all the time. It's not what you buy. It's how much you buy. When you see things like that, you should take 1% or half a percent of your portfolio and just oh. buy it and tuck it away. I'm just kidding. And, 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 and that's, that's a, that's a lesson I've learned, um, on that one, yeah. um, painful lesson, but, but you know, just, you just buy a little bit and if it doesn't work out, it's no big deal. So, right? but if it does, we're not on terrestrial radio, so I'm not breaking any FCC laws here. Um, I think I'm just going to secret you some money. I just, I'm gonna let, What's that? I'm, I think I'm not breaking any FCC laws here since it's not radio. No. I'm going to just secret you some money. And then I'm just going to, okay. yeah. And I won't tell my wife, she listens to the podcast, but sometimes she speeds it up. So she might, not, yeah, yeah. she might not even hear this part. Let me just close out with this, Zach. Um, I want people to understand, like I, I have a kingdom mindset. So you do too. We're to build the kingdom of God. And, and this is all a temporary storm that God is allowing. So we can see the naked emperors. I, I fully believe that. You know, we're just beginning to bring on advertisers to this program. And I've said from the very beginning, the Lord's going to take care of the money. I, and I fully believe yep. that the Lord is going to say, here's how much you guys need to live on and, and have a little bit more. Um, and and I believe the Lord is going to do that. But the owning of things, I want to try to provide a scenario for this. You ever been to um, Ocean Shores or uh, uh, Long Beach, Washington? Oh, yeah. All right. Here's what owning yeah. things are like. Um, we went there, my, my brother, Matthew, and I went there one year. And we were playing guitar and, and using our wetsuits and playing around the water and just a great day. And people park their cars on the beach. You know, drive down, park your car. Now, anyone who's mm -hmm. been to Long Beach knows you don't park near the water. But people did. And the tide starts to come in. And some of us are saying, you should probably move your car. No, no, I'm good. It's like way out there. Then the tide is really close to them. And you're saying, okay, see the sand in front of you. That's, no, 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 I'm good. And then the water's touching the wheels. Now you're not getting out. You're done. And the tow, yeah, trucks, the tow trucks start to come by. And we listen to the conversation. Tow truck driver, hey, I'll pull you out of there for 200 bucks. No, I'm good. I'll get out. All right. And then they he didn't leave, though. No, drives down the beach. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, pulls some people out, comes back. Uh, hey, I'll pull you out of there. <sighs> okay. 400 bucks. Well, you said 200. Yeah, I did. No, I, demand, baby. no, 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 I'll get, I'll get out. Someone's going to get me out. Okay. Right. It comes back and says, that's a really nice Mustang. I'll pull you out of there for 800 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to have cash. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, don't have 800 have cash. cash. Well, I don't know what I'm going to tell you. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you give me your credit. I'll, I'll drive you up to the bank. You got a credit card. We'll get a cash advance in your bank. I'll bring you back. If it takes less than a half an hour, it's still 800 bucks. If not, it's a thousand. Okay, let's go. Yep. He, yeah, owned, let's go. he owned a tow truck, right? You find someone on a mountain pass and they're stuck in, in your dictator of Washington state's traffic. You find someone stuck up there for a day because the dictator fired all the transportation workers. And you walk up to them on day, on the end of day one and say, hey, I got me a cookie. <laughs> that $35 no, Bitcoin, I, right? That's Zach. Is that a good way to explain ownership? Yeah, I think it's a good way to explain ownership. And I, I think you also hit on something with ownership is that I, you know, I think we need to have that. I think we need to have that mindset all the time. 
Um, and I think that inadvertently, Todd, I think you just really explained it. Really, I think it's a really good example of faulty investor thinking, right? I'm going to wait till the time's right. I'm going to wait till the time's right. And one of the things that we talk to our clients about is everybody knows when is the best time to buy stocks? Cognitively, when is the best time to buy assets? We all know this when things are down, right? Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. We don't do that. We yeah. buy when things are going up yeah. and we're afraid of missing out. Yeah. And one of the things that we pound on our clients about all the time is guys, when things are nuts and going really high, we want to make great returns. Um, uh, you know, our value portfolio did better than 30% last year. Good year for us. Um, but one of the things that we think about is we're never taking our eyes off of the risk side of it because we want to be in a position when things get hammered to go in there and buy cheap. And the thing that people forget about in order to do that, you have to have capital, right? You can't get your car out of the sand cheap if it's floating away in the ocean, right? The game is over at that right. point. So you've got to be preemptive. What that means is if you're investing correctly um, for the best returns long-term, at the top, when things are the spiciest, that's probably when you're going to make a little less. Yeah. But the, the reward comes as it always does for the discipline. And you hold on and, and you buy when things get really attractive. But I think that your analogy for ownership is spot on. And I think that we need to think that way about our assets and own our assets as opposed to them owning us, yeah. right? Via debt and things like yeah. that. But also to, in terms of investing, like um, you, you need... Because this all comes back in a world with printed money that's kept on the rails with printed money. There's no anticipation of the timelines and the schedules, but eventually you go down this path. The real assets will be the thing that is worth the most money. It just, they have to be by like, you know, law laws of gravity, right? If we're just printing, oh. you know, currency indiscriminately. It's, it's the schemes of man versus yep. the things yep. that God created. God created land, yep. God created um, uh, assets for us to use for energy. God created foods. Now the party wants to re-engineer those. We'll talk about that later, but those are, those are real things because they're created by God almighty and the schemes yep. of man, all right. The schemes of man, God laughs at them. And he tells us time and again, I giggle. I don't, I mean, he's God. I mean, if he giggles, it shakes the, the world, but he laughs, you know, he's amazing. Oh, yeah. So, well, Zach, next week we will talk. What did I say? We're going to talk about something really esoteric. Do you remember? Uh, oh yeah, stewardship. I'm, we're going to talk about stewardship. Yeah, steward, yeah. All right, we're going to talk yep, about stewardship yep. with Zach um, because, of course, as a financial manager, I'm I'm utterly fascinated uh, with the way that you feed your family, and I know you to be a trustworthy and, and a God following Jesus needer. Um, but I want to talk about stewardship for those of us um, who do invest and do. I think I want to talk from the the perspective of those of us who are enjoying the fruits of this time. So we'll do that next week with uh, Zach Abraham. Knowyourriskradio.com. Appreciate you coming on, brother. Hey, always, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Todd Herman Show. All right, buddy. We'll continue. Sound like a radio guy. It's not a radio show. What am I doing? Uh, let me just say this. Do please rate the podcast and please leave some words like on the, on the format that you're using, the platform. It really does defend us when they come to get us. Right? Because eventually it's got to happen. So please do that. And whatever stars it's worth, do that. Leave some words. Appreciate it. Now to the emails. I am so thankful um, for emails like this that, well, there's a couple of them. I'm, I'm thankful for all of them. So I should say that the right way. Um, but the, the, when I get a chance to dig into something like this, um, this is a real challenge. Texas Oil Guard, right? Uh, David from Texas, obviously Texas Oil Guard. You say your new podcast, which I love. Is God with politics on the edges. When you get more familiar with God's word, you will see that almost all this stuff is about politics. Look at all the stories about um, his uh, house prophets. They were mostly dealing with the kings at that time. Look at a lot of stories about Jesus. He was dealing with kings and priests, which were the political leaders. So my belief is that all your training was to make you ready for such a time as this. And your and my addiction to politics is actually an addiction to God's word and what he is doing for his people on a day by day basis. Love the show. May God richly bless you and all the things you're doing. Your friend in Christ, Jesus Needer, David. David, thanks for picking up on the Jesus Needer thing. Um, I, I think that's a great way to put it. So let me address this in reverse order. Um, what I've said about politics and the addiction to it is we need to understand that it feeds a need that we have for anger and outrage. And at least it does for me. Maybe that isn't for you. It feeds a need for anger and outrage because that's hormonal. 
right? God's given us these great hormones. We've talked about the cuddle hormone. Um, he's given us hormones of, you know, that can help protect us. Adrenaline, if you need to act quickly or fiercely, is a great ally. Dopamine, right, can get us to a point where we're very focused and, and we, can, we can do things we couldn't otherwise do. It's an anti-pain thing. It's, it's a lot of this. But dopamine, we get these hits when we get um, angry and it can drive our adrenaline. And those are, those, are, those are feelings easy to get hooked on. So politics, what I say, must be put in the proper place of consumption. Actually consuming God's word should take up three, four, five times the amount of time that we spend with politics. Reading about God's word should take up maybe two or three times that. That is reading analysis or reading, um, um, you know, not, not, I was going to say, actually say conjecture. That's not what I mean. Um, that you're reading great analysis of God's word by trusted people should take up far more time than politics. And to your point about Christ dealing with kings and leaders, I, I, I fundamentally disagree with you. And I disagree with you in, in great respect. And I would just offer you this. He chose to be born in a slave class to a teen mother to a father who was, what, 17 at the time. And I know that people had babies younger then. He could have come as a world leader, and he didn't. In fact, as he was building his ministry, Jesus went to the small towns where no one else, you know, no one, no one trying to build a power base would go. He came from Nazareth. Again, a choice that Lord God made, that he would come from Nazareth, which was the armpit of, of, the, of that area. So he spent his time with people who were not power brokers, far from it. He spent his time with the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When he interacted with the powerful, right, he would, he would in nearly every single time, not steal because he can't because everything's his, he, he would reveal them for what they are. You know, when the Pharisees came at him and said, your followers just picked wheat, and, or barley or whatever grain, and they just ate it, picking that on the Sabbath, that's a violation of God's law. What are you doing? And the Christ, the Christ um, Jesus said, um, do you not recall what King David did? Well, he wasn't king yet. When David was running from Saul, he had nothing to eat. He went in and asked for and was given the ceremonial bread from the, 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 the rabbi, which was not to be consumed, and he consumed it. And the Pharisees said, well, you're blaspheming. You're, you're, you're comparing yourself to the, you're comparing yourself to King David. And he said, you know, even the son of man, I must have the sustenance. I, I'm, that's a radical paraphrase, but he spoke of the son of man. But he also said to them, go and learn what this means. My father de- desires mercy, not sacrifice. Right. And, and, and he was saying things like the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So he was with the power brokers. He didn't play politics. He refused to engage. You know, bring to me that coin. Whose picture is that? It's Caesar's. Well, give it back to him. I don't want it. So I would just say, David, uh, with great love to you, my brother, that, that, that he was, in fact, building the kingdom and just ignoring the politics. The politics wanted to touch him. Hey, come and be a zealot. I'm no, I'm sorry. Some will trust in uh, in armies and swords and chariots, and I will trust in the word of God. Satan himself, the first politician on this, brother, I bet you and I agree. Satan was the first politician. He came and tried to buy Jesus. Right? He was a big donor, tried to buy a big donor. Hey, I look at everything you see, I'll give it to you. And Jesus said, you know what? It's not bread alone, right? I'm always, you know, I'm hungry. Well, uh, we need more than bread alone, right? We need the word of God to sustain us. So he was with people who were, I I hate that phrase down and out because I can't stand cliches, but that's who he was with. So in today's world, it's all politics because the party is eating into our lives. The party wants to control our kids, one of the things that we need to concentrate on is rendering the Caesars that which is Caesars. And in the United States of America, as I see it, we have a document that says Caesars is discussed right here. And here's the thing Caesars doesn't get to do. 
Caesar doesn't get to come and affect your church, your conscience, the way you employ your religion in public. It doesn't get to do that. Those are unalienable rights because they're given to us by God Almighty. But by the same token, the more time we spend arguing tax rates, etc., is less time we spend on the Bible. And look, trust me, I want to give this evil government, because God has allowed us to be under an evil government, I want to give them as little money as possible and keep my faith. That is to keep my standing that I hope is in good standing with God Almighty by paying those taxes, right? At the level that my accountant says, you have to pay this much. And my accountant, I have the advantage of having a very godly accountant. I'm very, very happy for that. So I love the note, David. I love the, I love, and by the way, I love the name, Texas Oil Guard. Thank you, brother. Um, Jesse from Wisconsin. Todd, you're my guide to, into, with religion. You directed me to the right places of worship. And um, you are right. Uh, The right place for me. Inclusive and subtle. Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. I will subscribe for your content. I feel like your content is the new way to get God's message out these days to folks like me. I'm a Jesus needer, I'm aware, but not a churchgoer. What's your take? Real name, Jesse, flyover deplorable. Donate to a church monthly, but don't ever go because they don't want to wear church clothes. I'm also bald. I hide it with a hat. I can be me and hear you just fine with my ball cap and jeans. I send my son to a Lutheran church school at my um, cost. It's fine. I hope I'm doing uh, my son better than I have. I feel like I was told what I'm doing is right, particular time as well. So you, my friend, keep on going. Love you, brother. Um, you are doing better as well. Jesse, the deplorable in Flavor, Wisconsin. Uh, brother, appreciate you. Um, the note, love the nickname. So I would just ask you this, and I'll ask it with the deepest possible love and respect. Why are you sending your kid into a religious institution when you won't go? And I would just tell you, my friend, come to church, go to a church like I go to. Like, to me, the clothes are not important. And I, I am aware. And in fact, I love some of, the, some of the ceremonies where you go dressed up. I do. Because I believe it's an opportunity to show reverence for, for God in ways that, to me, make me feel good. But our church on a regular basis, our pastors wear jeans. They don't wear hats uh, when they're in front of the congregation. But, but I'd say probably 20% of men, including myself, wear hats inside the building. We take them off when we pray to God Almighty. And I love that act. I love reminding myself to remove my hat so nothing's between myself and the Lord. Love that. And my dear brother, man, I love you. And dude, you're not hiding anything with the ball cap. And secondly, you're made in the image of God, Jesse. God himself may be bald. And he can be if he wants to be. And God himself may be overweight. But I would just offer you this. Jesus gathered a church around himself. The Messiah. The King. He began gathering a church And that church traveled with him. And for three years, he built that church. And that church is a place to physically surround yourself with other Jesus needers. And my dear brother, I don't think they're going to worry about your hair. Find the church where they won't. And I just wondered how it hurts the father to know that you're not fully comfortable in this body that he's given you. I get it. Like (laughs) I'm a guy who's lost 150 pounds. And I hate to admit this. This is a horrible thing to admit because it sounds like bragging. The other day I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I saw, wow, I have an, I have abs coming in. I, I, I hate that I had that thought. I hadn't seen my abs since I was 20. I hate that I had that thought. And so I've modified my thinking in the gym to be, hey, thank you, Lord, for giving me a body that I can do this stuff and have fun with. And I'm reminding myself of the great gift you've given us of of bodies and mobility. At the same time, I remind myself of, of people who don't have that mobility. I remind myself of emails from people who are suffering without mobility. 
remind myself of notes from listeners. Like this from Christine. Todd, I've listened to you on and off for over the years and really got hooked in the past year. I'm thrilled that you started this new podcast with a focus on God. My life was turned upside down in 2020 when I received an ALS diagnosis. I was working full time and living life without too much worry at the time. I'm now confined to a wheelchair and can barely use my arms. Faith in God and knowing Jesus as my savior is the only way I'm able to deal with this. Thank you for the inspiration and guidance. I look forward to more podcasts. So brother, Jesse, behold your sister, Christine. And brother Jesse, you can walk into a church and our sister, Christine, cannot. And so I'd ask you, brother Jesse, if Christine came and said, hey, I need to be with the people of God. Will you, will you push me into church in a wheelchair? Brother, I don't even need to ask. You'd say, absolutely. And so push yourself. Oh, Christine, the best friend I had as a child, Eric, eventually died from ALS. I was so blessed to get to see him before he died. I love that you're getting an opportunity to rest in the hands of the, of the Savior prior to going to him. You have an opportunity to rest in his hands. I can't imagine how uncomfortable it is. And I would regard it probably as scary for the physical pain that, that may well come. Knowing a little bit about how the disease works. But I hear in your note, and it's just a brief note, Christine, I can feel the faith from your note. I, I, this is stupid, but I'm, I'm touching the screen. And I can feel your faith and your optimism. I think that the day you enter heaven, I think there's going to be a lot of angels that are going, wow. Oh, wow, you're the one we've been watching. Welcome. And well done, the Lord will say, my faithful servant. This is the Todd Herman Show. Thank you for sharing it with friends via email. 10 a day will grow the program. So thankful for you all. Go be well, be strong, be kind. And of course, make sure to be right with God.